by the way, if uh, if we can, kind of, I know it's hard to make an aisle along there, but in case people go in and out, just kind of keep an aisle if that's possible. And if we need some chairs back there, we'll get those. Um, <laughs> Brooke mentioned it during uh, worship this morning. And it, it's so wild because the last two weeks, of course, you know, I, I was in Nigeria. And it's, it's so interesting to watch it from that perspective. And even already, I miss being there. In fact, I, I, last time, last Sunday when I was there, I kept, I kept picturing me standing here preaching and looking to the right and saying, Hey, Tefa, because that's where he sits. So hopefully he's sitting there. When I just did that, so it will make that connection. But uh, God is truly exploding, exploding things. And uh, I, I'm not going to give you a big update this morning. What I am going to do is invite each and every one of you to just come and join me on a trip. And I'll show you what he's doing. Because it's extraordinary. It's absolutely exploding. I'll, I'll be back in, what's the date today? 20th. Oh. 20th? I was the wrong so I'll person. be back in about a month. Yeah, I'm looking at the wrong person. I'll be back there in about a month. Uh, we have, it's interesting because one of the things that we're involved with there with, with a very dear friend of ours is Tewase, who is running for governor to, he was the chief of staff replacing Governor Tom as he is, uh, nearing the end of his tenure, and um, we have the the primaries coming up in May, so we have a big function at the end of April, which I'll be at. But uh, God is even exploding that, and and I share that because Tewase's campaign is not a normal campaign, and I, I do want you to understand why we're involved in it. His theme is literally this. <laughs> this is what God gave him. To bring the kingdom of Jesus Christ to Benway. To make it manifest in Benway. Isn't that exactly what we're to do as his children? To make his kingdom that he already brought here 2,000 years ago. I, I'm, I'm thinking like Jesus is probably like, dudes, it's time already. Okay, wake up, recognize I paid for this 2,000 years ago. It's time for the enemy not to have his control over this earth anymore. Do you know that's not something Jesus is going to do? It's something he has already done. What he has already paid for. But yet... As you know, he always partners with his children. He always engages his children with opportunity to work with him in bringing about his will, in literally manifesting his kingdom here. Now, if you don't believe that, I mean, just go ahead and shut us off right now, because you're not going to understand any of the rest of this sermon this morning which I, I wish I knew what it was going to be. <laughs> Lord took me several, several places this morning. They don't seem to fit together. 
But I know he will do it somehow. But God is exploding Nigeria. I mean, insane ways. Insane, insane, insane ways. You know what's exciting about that for here? Is the Lord has told us for years that everything begins in Nigeria first for ignition. But then it moves to here. Well, guess what? It's already begun in Nigeria. Guess what is about to move here? That same explosion. Not the explosion of, of provision and all that stuff. That, that's given as we need it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the explosion of his presence. The explosion of his Holy Spirit. The explosion of a voice. Of an outreach of making a difference in people's lives, the reality of getting beyond the cares of this world and really getting into the cares of the kingdom and what it means to people that don't even understand that, that don't even know who the Lord is, that desperately need to know. That's why it's exciting to me. And, And as Brooke had mentioned I think this Sunday and next Sunday, that's the end of March, right? The last Sunday in March is next Sunday, correct? Someone needs to keep a calendar for me because I just get lost after a while. But So next Sunday is our last Sunday here in this house. To those online, that may not be a big deal. To those who are fairly new here, that may not be a big deal. But it really is a big deal. We've been here seven years and like two or three months, something like that, a little over seven years. In that time, have we been in this house because that's all we could do? No, in fact, just the opposite of that. The Lord has kept us here on purpose, much to the arguments of me. It's like, God, wait a second. I really thought we'd be in a building within 30 days of starting this church. I really did. Really did. Had all those plans laid out. Already looking where we'd be, you know, where we'd rent, all this stuff. All these plans. And the Lord said, hey, yeah, let me see those. <laughs> I said, no, I, I need you there. Because I have a plan for you. I have a plan for ignition. And it involves a lot of preparation. It involves teaching you things that you don't even know you need to be taught yet. You ever try and teach somebody something that they have no idea they need to be taught? There's one element that's required in that scenario. Time. (laughs) Because it takes time for them to learn that they even need to learn it in the first place. It takes the Lord taking you through scenarios and situations to realize, wow, there's probably something else I need to know here. What's going on? And then he takes you through that revolution over and over and over again until he has you ready. But guess what? There's a point at which you become ready. 
There's a point individually for each one of you here and each one of you online where God will have you ready for His movement forward as long as you keep saying yes. It is up to us. He's there to teach. We have to be willing to learn. But there comes a point where it's time. But it also, there comes a point for a ministry where it's time. We have come to that point with ignition. I'm very excited, and we don't, we don't fully know the layout and the timing of everything. We, we know the building that we believe God has for us. We know what we're going to need for it. We know that come two weeks from today, we will be in a temporary space, which I'm excited about. Because as Brooks said, they're going to have some room to jump around, to worship, to praise. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, Brianna, I'm looking forward to, to the twirling and dancing, right? <laughs> that, that means no more hiding in the back because you need room back there. We'll, we'll make room for you right up front. <laughs> I'm excited for the transitions God takes us through. And I'm excited for each piece of it. I'm excited for temporary space. Even though that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work for me. Because I seem to be the only one here that can drive a big truck and trailer. So I've got to take all the stuff there. I, maybe what we'll do is we'll put a little cot in that trailer. I'll get it over there and I'll go back to bed. Barry's a CDL driver. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's a reason you're here this morning. <laughs> but be excited about every stage. Be excited for what you've learned as a church. Be excited for how God has prepared you for what is coming. And I know so often we focus on battle, but that's because that's what we're in. But He's prepared us for it. Can you imagine... The confidence of walking onto a battlefield and walking into a battle zone knowing that you have the upper hand. Phew. I can tell you from personal experience, it's electrifying. When we went down, a few of us went down to Arizona a few weeks ago for the first, or, well, we didn't go to the conference like a couple weeks ago, please make it clear you didn't go to the conference. It was a satanic conference, first ever, that was not hidden, that was like out in the open. No, we didn't go to the conference. We literally went to fight the conference. Not to just protest, but to step on a battlefield and war against what they were assaulting Arizona for. When you go there and you know you've been prepared, even if you don't know what you're supposed to do, but you know in your heart that you have been prepared and you know how to fight those battles when God places you in those situations, you walk in a confidence. We walked in a confidence there. In fact, as I'm walking through Scottsdale during their break times, and it was so obvious who, who the witches were, because they, they just were bold in, in their expression of it. And to walk past or walk and see and look in confidence to know we know the truth. 
we believe in the God, not a false God. Not one who just seemingly says he wants to give us what we want, our fleshly desires. But we have and we worship the God who created us. Who knows the ins and outs of who we are. Who knows what our spirit needs. Don't assume you know what you need. Because you don't. In your flesh, you will assume what you need based on your circumstances. God knows what you need because he fabricated you with his own word. So you can have confidence when you've gone through this process of training, you can have confidence. Even though sometimes new things are scary. It's sometimes strange walking into a different place. Well, guess what, guys? Get used to it. I've told you many times, if you're called to ignition at this point, you're called to something different than what we've been in the local church. I can't answer for anybody else, but I can tell you the visions that he's had for me. Where I was speaking in many churches. Some of which I was actually invited to. (laughs) I've had visions of the Lord placing me in a church and saying, go speak. I've had a vision of walking up and the pastor telling me to stop. And he was frozen in his tracks. Not by me. By the Holy Spirit. And sharing a word in that church that was a line in the sand that was a choice. Because of the times in which we live. Guys, if you think that's just going to be me. Then I really suggest you going before the Lord and leaning into him. Now, not that we all have the same function, because we don't. We're all unique members in the same body. But recognize that when we step into this new season that we're stepping into, it's a season of moving forward. It's a season of excitement. It's a season of adjusting. Every new season is. But be excited about that adjustment. If you are seeking Him with your whole heart, if you are seeing through the eyes of kingdom eyes, then the adjustment probably won't be any big deal for you. But if you enjoy the surroundings, the physical surroundings, and that is part of what your comfort level is, then you're probably going to have a little bit of a tough time. Because that's not what God wants. He wants you to see the battlefield. He wants you to be willing to step. Because the world, and I know this is a big statement, the world is waiting to be conquered. It's waiting to be conquered by the bride, who is the rightful heir. Do you understand that? We are rightful heirs to this. We are rightful heirs to his kingdom. So man, you got to first believe that his kingdom's even here. (laughs) 
I, I mean, if, you, if you're a Christian, if you're saved and you don't believe that, then, wow, I, I don't even know what to tell you. Train's moving. You know, jump on board, try and hang on or something. Because it is moving. He is moving forward. You see it all over. You see it in the chaos going on. And, and, and by the way, I've said it a million times. It's not going to get better anytime soon. The intention is for it to get worse. But it's not what Satan's doing. It's what God has orchestrated. Because it brings choice. It forces choice. I think that, that's one of the most extraordinary things that I see now. Every time you know, I'll get a flash on my phone or, or, or turn on the news or whatever, I, I get this notice about somebody saying something that, yeah, they normally don't talk, but they're saying this. Why? Because they're being forced to. There is a spirit at work that is literally forcing choice by everybody, especially those who believe in Jesus Christ. They can no longer ride the fence. Is this the separation, perhaps, of the lukewarm and the hot? Perhaps. It's not the spitting out. I'm not saying that, although that's coming. But there is a separation first. Why? Because time and time again, Jesus says in his word, in fact, one of the places he took me this morning, the parable of Ten Minas, where, or it might have been the, well, it might have been the other one. Ten ta- it's the talents or the Ten Minas. It was one of those two because I read them both, where we are responsible for our words where he says, I condemn you by your own words. That's why he's forcing choice. That's why he's literally forcing people to say what they believe. They can no longer hide. The situation is forcing it. It is being forced on our leadership. Just look. Just look at how exposed the leadership has become. Do you think they did that by design? No. I mean, they did it by somebody else's design, not their own design. They're revealing their hearts because it is time for it to be forced. And God is doing it. So we just trust him. We just trust him. Don't be afraid of moving forward. Be excited about moving forward. Because what God has already been exploding in Nigeria is about to explode here. I don't know about you. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about all over the world what he is doing and going to do. So let's pray. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. God, we thank you that when we seek you, we find you. We thank you that we don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to walk without knowing where to step because you will guide our feet if we say yes to you and we ask you to guide them. It's all about control. 
We either choose to keep control ourselves or we give you full control. It's not a one-time choice. It's an every-moment choice. And Father, just for the record, you know my heart. You know the prayers that I have had with you. But for the record, I declare I give you control right now. My mouth is yours. My mind is yours. My hands, my feet are yours. Do with them what you will, but do your will. Don't allow any piece of me to infiltrate into that outside of what is you. That is my heart's desire. I know that is the desire of the people here. Do your will. Speak through me according to your will. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord took me several places this morning, but what was interesting, he only gave me one word. And I I don't, at the time, I I wasn't really sure how the one word word had to do with even the four places that he took me. But I was excited about this word, and it just, it's hung on me for a few days. That's the word freedom. 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 I don't know what you picture when you hear the word freedom. I picture one of my favorite movies, Braveheart. You guys see Braveheart? The end of Braveheart, which, I mean, is the most sad. I, I, I think one of the coolest parts of Braveheart is the fact that it's a true story. Alex and I have been over to London. We have seen the, the what's that called when, when, a, when a, a burial grave is above ground? Huh? Mausoleum, thank you. Yes, and we, we have seen the mausoleum that Longshanks is in. I get a kick out of that because they said Longshanks was really tall for his time frame. They figure he was six feet tall. I'm thinking, all right, Barry, you and I, buddy, we, we would have really had something back then. Right? But I got to see that. And it was, it was really wild to... I, I think I saw it about the time or maybe within months after that movie coming out and me watching it. But whenever I think of the word freedom, I think of the end of that movie when he is being tortured. Now, by the way, this is after a life of being giving his life for this cause. Knowing full well, this will probably end up in his death. He even says it before he is literally walks into what he knows will be a trap. The guy says, you know this is a trap. Why are you going? He said, because somebody has to. I don't want to die. I don't want to walk through this. But the cause is more important than what I want. Oh, my goodness, if there were more Christians that would feel that way. That the cause of Christ is more important than my own wants, than my own feelings, than my own needs, than my own desires. I'll tell you what. You want to understand a person who is powerful in the Spirit, like Paul, like Moses, like Elijah, like any of these. They have one thing in common. And that is that the cause 
of God, his will, God, Father's will, was more important to them than their own needs. Even more important to them than their own family. Even more important to them than their own lives. See, that is what was so gripping about the end of that movie. It wasn't that he was surprised and taken and and tortured and put to death. It was that he was stepping into it knowing what was coming. Just like Paul. When Paul would enter a city, God told him what he was to expect. Paul knew his death was coming. Paul knew the beatings he would take. Paul knew the trouble that would come into his physical life. He knew it. But yet he went. And he didn't go out of drudgery. He didn't go like, okay, Lord, you know, I know that this is going to happen to me, but I'll just, I'll just make it through and it'll be okay. I'll just, I'll just grip my teeth and bear it. That's not what he said. Honestly, I don't even think Paul had his eye on any of that. What do you have his eye on? The church of Philippi. The church of Ephesus. The church in Jerusalem. He had his eyes on the people that needed to know truth. I'll tell you what. A Christian driven by relationship with Jesus Christ, by knowing him, by hearing his voice, that is driven to deliver those messages, is the most powerful, powerful Christian in the world. Because the confidence is not his or hers. The confidence is God's. God infuses that confidence. I remember the the trip to Nigeria when this was before we had boots on the ground there. When... The Lord told me we had two other people going. He said, cancel their, their tickets. Don't take them. They, they will not be protected. He said, because they're going to attempt to abduct you this trip. And that took me back a little bit. That was a while ago. I want to say maybe four years, five, four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. I just remember my initial thought was, can I get a little more detail on that? (laughs) And I probably shouldn't have asked that because then I started having all these visions. And and it was kind of conflicting. Like I had a vision of being abducted and, and them taking my eyes. And I'm like, Lord, why in the world do they want my eyes? And he said, because they want your eyes. Okay. I never saw a vision of dying. I said, so, so can they take my life? He said, no, I have allowed them to take whatever they choose up to your life. Try, and hear the, try, try hearing the Lord say that to you. Try it. <laughs> it was a little bit tough to swallow, but yet I knew it was him. I knew it was truth. And I said, okay. So is that your choice? Is that my choice? You know, which one of us get to choose, Lord? (laughs) The Lord said it's neither of our choices. He said it's Satan's choice. I've allowed it 
He said, the difference is whatever he takes from you, he will pay a severe penalty. So it just depends on what he wants to lose. And when I thought about it from that perspective, I thought, yeah, okay, that's cool. Take my eyes. I don't care. Does that mean that I get to see in the spirit? And then I all of a sudden am having these visions of what happens when he takes my eyes. I remember going there thinking, I don't know. I, I think I might be a little upset if he doesn't take my eyes. <laughs> and, and I don't say that flip. I say that seriously. I want to see as Elijah saw. We have people in this church that are given that gift. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> you promised it to me, right? And we, we have people sitting here that, that go through the same thing. But it was on that trip where the Lord taught me to trust him no matter what. And by the way, they did try. It wasn't just that he got me ready for this and then nothing happened the entire trip. They did try they tried to break into my room about 1 o'clock in the morning. And I didn't know what night it would be, but the Lord had told me that it would be at night, so I literally did not, I didn't even take my shoes off going to bed. I didn't lay under the covers. I laid on the end of the bed on top of the covers. Just to be ready. Not that I could do anything, but just to be ready. And when I went to bed this one night, I thought, you know, because they have locks on the doors and all that stuff in this hotel. And what's wild is this is a security hotel where they had, you know, I had guards. I had the guys with AKs and, you know, they had a wonderful nap that night. Because apparently these guys got past them. I just happened to put a chair up under the door handle. I don't even know why I did it, but I just did it. I mean, the Lord, obviously, but but then about 1 o'clock in the morning, I hear this, you know, like somebody puts a key in a lock and is turning the lock. And <laughs> I was so wide awake within a split second. There was, there was no what's going on. I was wide awake right at the door. Whoever it was had a key because they unlocked the door and it got open maybe about two inches. And all I could do was shove against the door and start yelling. And they tried for maybe 30 seconds to get in. And I think eventually the yelling scared them. Because <laughs> it probably woke up whoever else was in the hotel. But do you understand that no matter what happens, God's in control. No matter what happens, God is the one who is working in your life. No matter what happens, it's not about your physical body. It's not about your physical needs. It's about freedom. How is that about freedom? Do you understand what that purchased for me? <laughs> okay. The hardest part, and probably the most dangerous part of going to Nigeria, because you know, we have guards and all that stuff, is this drive from Abuja 
to McCurdy. It's about a five-hour drive. And it is incredibly dangerous. When you are flying past people going the opposite direction and both, pe- both cars are doing 90, that would be, and missing by literal inches, okay, that'd be like hitting a wall at 180. That, that wouldn't be so good, right? And it used to be that, you know, I'm just kind of watching and backseat driver and, and all this stuff. After that happened to me, this, this time of, of the attempted abduction, I sleep. The only time I wake up is when a driver doesn't know how to at least keep it smooth. Like, I, I don't care how fast you go, just don't turn so fast so it bangs my head against the wall and wakes me up. There's a peace that comes when you give yourself to the Lord and you step through that threshold of trust. There's a peace that comes. That's the freedom. That's the freedom in Christ. Is freedom the fact that we have physical freedom? If that's the case, then there's many, many, including Paul, that Jesus needs to apologize to. Because Paul lived much of his life in prison. Even all of the Jews, for that matter, lived under the oppression of Rome. They weren't free. But yet they were empowered through the Holy Spirit. Freedom is the knowing what Christ is doing in your life. The knowing that when you step in his will, it really honestly doesn't matter what it is. Like Paul said, if it is to take my life, you know, seriously, you're going to threaten me with Jesus? It'd be so much better for me to be with him. That doesn't scare me. It didn't scare Paul. The freedom is knowing that God is at work in your life and will do and complete that work. <coughs> I want you to turn one of the places he took me. First place, in fact, was Philippians 4.8. You all know this. Um, <coughs> I'm sorry, not, not 8. Uh, Philippians, we're going to start... Let's just start at verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you have had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, and this is the key right here, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know what it is to be brought low. I know what it is how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What's that next part? I just sit there and I can wait and the Lord will take care of everything. It's not what it says. Says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In other words, God is not going to take you out of the situation. He is going to strengthen you through the situation. Because there's a reason for it. There was a reason for Paul being abducted, for Paul going to prison, for Paul being shipwrecked. 
There was a reason for all these things. There's a reason for what happens when you are walking in the will of God. And you are stepping in the will of God. And He takes you through something that doesn't make sense. Understand there's a reason for it. It is for the purpose of freedom. Not just yours. Because see, the calling of personal freedom is the first point. But it's not the last. If all I was to achieve in my life was my own personal freedom in Jesus Christ and in relationship with Him, then I'd be done. Take me, Lord. You could have taken me a while ago. But that's not why we're here. We're here as He gives us freedom. We're here to fight for freedom for others. Just like, what what was his name in Braveheart? William William Wallace. William Wallace. Just like William Wallace. He could have lived out his life in (laughs) quasi-freedom. Even though they were under oppression. Under England. He could have lived out in quasi-freedom. He could have had his little ranch, a little farm. He could have had his family. He could have had his life where he complains about this, complains about that, but moments of, okay, this was good. He could have had that. But the freedom that he was driven for was the freedom for his brothers and his sisters. Where is that drive in the pride today? It's supposed to come from the pulpits, but it doesn't. It doesn't come from the pulpits because they're too busy fighting for their own freedom, understanding their own freedom. When they're supposed to be teachers, they're supposed to be leaders. So let us lead. And by the way, it's not just pastors, it's each one of you. We are driven to be leaders of this freedom for the bride. Call it the readying of the bride, call it freedom of the bride, call it the taking of land, whatever you want to call it, it's the same thing. We are not in the position that we are supposed to be, that has been given by Christ, and it is our opportunity to take it. To take it with Him, with Jesus, not in spite of Him, not instead of Him, not because He's up there and He's just kind of saying, hey, let me know when you got this. No, he's offered a partnership to his bride. Walk with me, and we'll take this. We will bring freedom, not just to the bride, by the way. If you think the world, just because they're doing what they're doing and they get to do what they want to do, if you think they are not living in bondage, then you don't understand the Word of God. Because sin is a bondage. Sin, in fact, is its own bondage. Because when you are in sin, you are a slave to what you do. It literally becomes your God, the Bible says. Whether you think of that or not, where you think it's that way or not, you become a slave to those things that you give into that are not of God. He wants freedom for this world. How about freedom in leadership? If you think 
that Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and all these people are not living in slavery? You're incorrect. God wants them free as much as anybody. That's what he's been patient for for decades. The difference is now he's no longer willing to hold up the freedom of his bride for the sake of freedom for the world. Because it's time. It's time. I pray that their freedom will come. They have a choice, just like you do, just like I do. Every one of us that is one of God's creation has a choice. But our choices affect other people. Joe Biden's choices, Kamala Harris's choices, affect other people, affect all of us. I mean, just look at the economy. But you know what? Your choices, your choices in the spirit, your choices to give a yes to the Lord and to follow him no matter what in his calling for you, it affects other people. You may not see it yet, but that's what he intends. The intent that he has for this church to affect the world, he has already said, he has said over and over again. You can believe it or not. By the way, truth is not established because you believe it. Bottom line. Truth is truth because it comes from the mouth of God. That's the truth. That's the bottom line. He is raising up warriors here and all over the world. We call them the remnant for a lack of a better word. By the way, I think it's so cool how, how you hear all these prophets talking about the remnant. We didn't get that word from a prophet We didn't get that word because we read this thing. And by the way, neither did they. They got the word from the Lord. Who uses the word remnant? The Lord does. The Lord calls his people that he has set aside that love him and are impassioned for him. He calls them his remnant. Why? Because he's going to use this remnant to change the world. All over the world. And they are placed all over the world. It, it, it's just extraordinary to me when I, when I you know, have a layover in London and I'm sitting there talking, or I'm sitting there just whatever. I, I think I was looking at my phone or something, and this guy comes and sits next to me, and he said, he said that is a really cool phone cover. It, it, it was the Love Shield and a Lion. And I'm like, Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like it. I, I mean, I made it. So, yeah, it's really cool. I love lines. He said, what's, what's that shield thing? What's that? You say it's a love shield. What's that? I got to tell him what, what we do, and then all of a sudden he's talking to me about, about, you know the Lord? I know the Lord. He said, in, in fact, what I do in my life, he said, he said I, I run a company, or he was part of a company or something like that, that they specialize in protecting pastors that go into dangerous areas. Okay, God. Okay. 
I think God may have intended that a little bit. Right? And it's not just that for the purpose of any connection. Because I, I can tell you, it's almost every trip that I go on, I meet somebody like that. When we went to Arizona, we met three people like that. Isn't it wild how they use some of the same verbiage? I've never met them. Wait a second, maybe they're hearing from the same source. Like the remnant is all over the world. Do you see God's preparing something? He's calling you to something. He's calling you to that freedom that is rightfully yours, not just when you go to heaven. Please, it makes me sick, sick to death. Christians that just say, and we we heard it just a couple days ago. Yeah, you know, God's about to come because it's just getting so bad. Bull crap. That is absolute baloney. God is waiting for his children to wake up. Wake up and see that I have this plan in front of you that you need to engage in. Here's this gun, your weapon, or a sword, whatever you want, whatever scenario you want to say. Here's this. By the way, you've got to learn how to use it, but I, but I have this for you. I have a reason, because I need you to step on this battlefield with your brothers, with your sisters. Form this army that I have rising up all over the world. Nobody will bring this army together outside of Jesus Christ. It is Him who will bring it together. That's it. But we each have a choice of being a part of it or not. See, if you don't believe, that, if if, if you kind of think as a Christian, well, I know the spirit realm exists because, you know, I see it in in the Bible. But in reality, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe they're all on break or something. I don't see any of it. It, It's certainly, my eyes have never been opened. You know, I just kind of go to church and I'm good. I try to keep my sin level down. You know, I love Jesus. I worship him. I can't wait to be with him in heaven. I'm looking forward to that one day. You know, that's all okay. I could say that because that was me for 50 years. That was me for most of my life. But that's not what God wants. He wants you to recognize. He wants you to recognize His kingdom. That's why He said in Matthew 6.33, Seek His kingdom first. What do you think that means if we're not to seek it here on earth? Are we all supposed to just slit our throats? Well, His kingdom's heaven, and I seek heaven, so I'm going to go kill myself to be in heaven. That's just stupid. It's just stupid. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you can seek it here because his intention is for it to manifest here. Jesus is just waiting. Man, I love his patience. I love God's patience. And I'm not asking for it, by the way, because I know he'll test me in it. (laughs) I want whatever patience you want me to have. But let me have an urgency. I love his patience because he does not want to lose anyone. He doesn't want anyone to miss their calling. 
He doesn't want anyone to think that they can't fulfill a calling in him. Do you know that's why so many people step and then step away? Because it becomes overwhelming. It becomes too much. I don't know how to do this. Because things get tough, and then there are times when things are easier. But just like Paul said in verse 11 here, he said, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, now by the way, I need you to separate the meaning of what that means from what God shows you he wants for the future. Paul being content is not, well, you know, I'm just going to sit here and let things come to me. You know, I'm just going to be content in whatever you give me, and I'll just kind of stay in this place, and, and you know, you kind of direct everything to come to me. That's Paul was never content with that. In fact, earlier in, in uh, Philippians, he says, I press toward the mark. Of the high calling. Right? I press toward this mark. I urge myself toward this mark. I move toward this mark. There is a goal on the horizon that the Lord has set before me. And I push for that goal. For me. But for my brothers. For my sisters. I push for that goal. Paul did not need to have a life like what he had for himself. If he did, he failed. If he was trying to make an easy life, he failed. Clearly. That would be absent of God's calling. So it wasn't that he was content with, okay, you know, I'm, I'm here and, you know, I'll just kind of take the punches as they come. Oh my goodness, no. He was what we would call today a go-getter. He was a high-functioning accomplisher. Is that a word, Bryn? I don't know if that's a word. Okay. He went after what the Lord put in front of him. He went after it with a vengeance. He went after it with everything that was in his life. I love people like that. By the way, those people are kind of hard to be around sometimes. Right? But they're also the most amazing people to be around. Because they, the Lord through them forges new pathways. Do you know that's what this, this church is called to? We're called to forging new ground. To literally making pathways in areas that were not there. I'll give you an example. One of the, one of the uh, land pieces, in fact, where our headquarters will eventually be in Nigeria. Um, I think it might have been the first time I walked on it. I can't remember. First or, first or second time. Um, and it was just me, I think, and Andrew. And, you know, you walk on this and it's like wilderness, whatever. And there are trees, and, but the grass came up to about my chest, right? And, and I'm just walking through it. it. There's a pathway around the outside, but on the inside there were no pathways. And I wanted to walk inside because it's, it's huge. 
I wanted to kind of see it all. And I'm walking through this stuff, and Andrew is about, you know, six or seven steps behind me, just kind of walking behind me. And I'm just trudging through. You know, and I didn't have any special equipment on or anything else. I, I think I had tennis shoes or something like that. I'm just walking through, and we get done. And and Andrew says to me, I can't remember what point of conversation, but he, he says, uh, he says, you know we have snakes that can kill you here. And I'm like, well, first of all, I didn't know that. <laughs> that would have been nice to know, you know, about 45 minutes ago before we left. But, I mean, not that it would have stopped me. But I, I said, I said, oh, okay. And, and they do. They have a puff outer that, that there are hundreds that die every year. They're in Nigeria from puff adders. And, in fact, I went to go pick one up, not realizing that's what it was, and absolutely freaked the guy out next to me. And so I didn't pick it up, thankfully. But I'm trudging through this thing, and, and he says that, and I said, well, why did you follow me? I said, if you knew there were snakes, I said, why in the world did you follow me? And he said, well, because you were making the path, and I figured that they would be scared from you going through, and I would be okay. <laughs> I thought, okay, that makes sense. Isn't that the picture of plowing new ground? You're literally plowing ground in an area that's not been plowed for the sake of other people behind you to follow. That's what this church is called to. So when you're called to that, there are going to be times when you're plowing ground. You can't see the ground beneath you. You have to trust that in what the Lord's doing. There might be a snake. There might be this. There might be that. There might be a ditch. Who knows? When you come and encounter it, though, I am to be content in every situation that the Lord places me. I remember thinking and having the visions of being abducted, and and that, that was really a profound time for me because the Lord showed me so much detail on some of these. I asked him later why he showed me so many, and he said, he said these were all possibilities. Of course, at the time, I'm thinking, I'm literally waiting for it to happen. And, and I remember thinking, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, because what you allow is never for the loss of your children. It's for the furtherance of what you have for them. So, man... If he's going to do this and he's going to take this away from me, I am so excited to see what you're going to give. Man, look at your life that way. Don't worry about what the enemy tries to take away. Understand that you are being given authority to take away from him. That's what he's so afraid of. I've shared with you a few times that there have been several times that I've been face-to-face with Satan. And he is afraid. He is absolutely terrified. Of me? No. He's terrified of Jesus. He is terrified that the bride is starting to wake up. He knows the time. Trust me. He knows the time better than any of us. Because he's been waiting for it. He's been afraid of it coming. 
I'm going to I'm going to say this one last thing here because this is an important thing. Fear is you know how how marijuana is like a gateway drug to all the heavier drugs and we call marijuana a gateway drug, right? There are gateway spirits. Fear is a gateway spirit. Fear is a spirit that that Satan hits us with, and there's nobody in this room that has not been hit by it and will not be hit by it again. It's an easy one to agree with. Yeah, I, 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 kinda, I could see that happening. I, I am kind of, kind of afraid of that. And when we agree with that fear, it becomes a little open door. Right? There's a little open door that then other familiar spirits especially can come through the door and attempt to get agreement. Right? That's why the Lord said, take captive those thoughts. Take captive. Shove them down. doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted to be afraid. In fact, I would dare say courage is not even possible without fear. If you're not afraid of anything, then that's not courage. That It could be stupidity. Right? But fear that comes and you conquer that fear and step even with that fear there, then you are not stopped by that fear. So fear to the enemy is such a valuable spirit. It's a gateway spirit. But there is another gateway spirit. I didn't know this until I went to Nigeria this last time, and I'm, I'm like, what, what am I feeling? What am I feeling that's all over me, and I just wanted to hit somebody? Or hit myself? I don't know. I'm wrestling with the Lord on this. What is this? And the Lord so clearly said to me, this is the spirit of dissatisfaction. I thought, wow. Because all I was doing is, oh, come on, I told them to do this. They didn't do this. I told them to have this ready. It wasn't ready. I told them that they were supposed to do this this way. They didn't even listen to me. And then I'm like, wait a second, where is this coming from? Oh, Father, forgive me. Forgive me. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of these people. Thank you, God. I bind that spirit of dissatisfaction. In Jesus' name, and cast it to the abyss. It is another and probably even more effective gateway spirit. Because there's not a person in here who has not felt that. I've learned that in everything to be content, if that does nothing else, it closes the door on that gateway spirit. Because it is a spirit. Don't assume it's a choice of yours. Because there's God or there's the enemy. There's no middle, middle ground. There's no middle portion there. It's one or the other. We are to be content no matter what he puts us through. By the way, this is a spirit that permeates, I mean, certainly the whole world, but permeates Africa. I think it's that gateway spirit that opened the door to a spirit of poverty. 
I even look at, at Nigeria. If you knew their natural resources, if you knew their soil, if you knew the, the minerals that they have in the ground, including gold, including all these things, including oil, you'd go, why? Why are they a third world country? Why is nation, or why is Africa a third world continent? If you don't think it has to do with the spirit realm, you're lying to yourself. That's why he's raising up an army. He's raising up an army to, one, expose that spirit of dissatisfaction, expose that spirit of fear, expose all these, these spirits that Satan uses as pawns to just lure and defeat them and crush them. Why? Because we have the authority too. That's why. That's why. First in your life. But then he will call you to fight for others. And that's, that's where the joy comes. In the fighting for others. So in all that we do, be content. In all that we do, be content because God wants to take you to a place of fighting for others. Oh, this calling, this life is so much bigger than you. It's so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than all of us. It can only be achieved through our unification. That's what he's doing in his bride. That's what he's doing in his remnant. That's why Satan is afraid. He trembles. He trembles. Alexis, come on up. Wow, I am so in awe of the Holy Spirit right now. I'm just, it's blowing my mind because um, both Greg and I had asked each other for prayer um, for the blankness that was over us and to see how the Holy Spirit just connected uh, what he gave me for the women and today and um, for the word. It's, this, this is such a timely word and he will reveal even more and more the reasons and what it's really about. Um, one thing that just struck me so much is at the very beginning, he literally, um, the Holy Spirit laid on Greg's heart to say exactly what was on my heart, which is that, um, you know, this time of change that is coming upon ignition just circumstantially in, in meeting in a different place, um, is, it connects so much in my mind with the, the freedom that he's talking about that is how what we're supposed to do to fight for others. And I got to thinking about just even as he was giving the message why it is that there isn't a, a greater rising up. And it's because so many people and even churches and pastors that are, you know, preaching to help their their people, whether they be, you know, any kind of leadership helping their people. Um when you don't have freedom for yourself, you can't fight for freedom for somebody else. And so when we are bogged down with the distractions of life, the pursuit of this realm, self-preservation, just straight out hedonism, the, the seeking of comforts, all the things of this life that we desire and that we think we need, 
when we don't have true freedom and, and our eyes fixed solely on what God wants and God alone and everything, we can't begin to help somebody else. It just becomes an every week going to church to try to find some help for us to get through our day and our week and, and get our church on. And then, you know, we, we pull you know, ourselves through the week until we get to the next service. And, and it becomes such a self-involved process in the Christian life that we're, we're just not even equipped to help somebody else. And so the reason that this word strikes me so much for this moment is because one of the things that happens when things shift, now everything's changing in the world, okay, in terms of just what our life is going to look like and all the, the events. It, there is a shaking, no doubt. But for ignition right now, having to go to a different place and have a different atmosphere, you know, good, bad, better, whatever it is, it's still going to require um, steps of faith, however small it is. And one thing that the Lord has been showing me, saying to me, is that, and he's been teaching me the last several years, what it looks like to just consider what he desires from me more than considering if I'm capable, if I feel good enough, if my circumstances are right, if I can deal with the pressures, if, if no matter what the obstacle, he's been saying, will you consider my voice and what I'm asking from you no matter what else is going on? Um, it's very controversial uh, to say this, but I'm saying it through the lens of knowing his voice. Um, there has been times, uh, as many of you know, that I have had just some bizarre stomach issues from for many, many years, um, and it's, most of it's been identified as, as witchcraft and warfare and so forth. But there have been times the Lord has said, and the first few times it made no sense at all, but he was like, I know you feel sick. Go. Go. And it was in my particular case, it was a Tuesday night. I didn't know that going was going to be my breakthrough. The interesting thing about being sick or you know, having this happen or that happen is that the Lord has to direct your path. There are times when he says, rest and stay. There are times when he'll direct us. But is his voice leading us preeminent over our circumstances, over uh, our bosses asking us to work that night, over an issue with a vehicle? Is, is it the highest voice? Because, see, unless we can step in faith in those areas and know that no matter what comes against us, we are, we're going to trust him and walk in faith, then we're not going to be anywhere near equipped to help somebody else. And so um, I, I was just thinking through, because we're, we're going to be announcing um, our temporary space, and um, the fact that God's providing India. Remember, what we've said in Ignition is that we would go anywhere. We would, you know, worship in a field. Okay, well, I will worship in a field. Do I want to? No. But that is, but, but really and truly, when you trust God, you trust that he'll make you want what he's going to ask you to go through. He'll make you accept it. And I've seen through the years, and I didn't identify it. I just kind of thought it was just something that, well, just some Christians can handle, some Christians can't. It's okay. But I remember one time when uh, one of the churches that I was involved in had uh, went through a building transformation. And so they moved the auditorium, or it would have been the auditorium, into this temporary space. It was just metal chairs and some of the old-fashioned pews. It was very not aesthetically pretty. And there were some people visiting 
that had heard about the church and they thought it was going to be great. And when they came, they said, oh, oh, you guys are in transition. You guys are under, you know, you're under construction. Okay, well, this is nice. But you know what? We'll, we'll consider coming back when it's all done. Because I said, oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be great. They said, oh, well, we'll, you know, we'll look at that. But we're just, we're just really not, you know, I don't, I don't know that we would really do well waiting during the construction time. And, and it was a dear friend, and I remember thinking, hmm, that's odd. And as I look back, I think, I mean, really, it, it's not even like a judgment of the heart. It's more of this attitude that I don't ever want to have. Like, really? You will consider not going to a church because it's a metal chair and not a pretty atmosphere? Is that what it's about? How in the world can you fight for freedom for somebody else? If you are that bogged down with things having to be just so for you to have um, any kind of what you consider obedience. We, we just have to step in faith in really, really huge ways if we're going to be able to help anybody else. And I know that's what the Lord is driving this, this whole shaking thing is about. Is that people are constantly considering themselves their um, their ability to handle something. Lord, can I handle it? Now I don't ever ask him that. I always just say, Lord, okay, I have back-to-back-to-back-to-back things here today, and you know I'm not feeling well. Is this what you want? He never lets me ask him, can I handle this? Do I really have to, you know, well, you know I'm not feeling well. You know, he knows when you're not feeling well. He gives me, nobody gives me rest and healing like the Lord Jesus. He does. He's the only source. And, and he's kind and he's good. I said this to the ladies downstairs. If you don't know the love of God, if you doubt his love, you will begin to doubt his goodness. And as soon as you doubt his goodness, the enemy can convince you of anything else he wants to convince you of. Because when you don't believe that God is good, you'll believe any other lie that the enemy will tell you. Because there's a lot of shaking and a lot of bad around us. God's goodness is always there. And we will always see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living when our lives are laid down to his ways above our own. And that is really what he's asking. It's the freedom from us and our carnal nature into our true destiny and calling that is going to bring a change to the whole world. And so as we shift into things that won't be as convenient, some of us, this temporary place we'll be in, will be more convenient than this house has been. Others, it will be extremely inconvenient, especially for those that all they had to do was come downstairs. <laughs> you know, there will, there's always going to be a pro and a con of a situation. What might be a beautiful building to some might be, oh, that's too big. And, well, I don't know. It's always so cold in there. And, oh, I don't know. It's, it's always kind of humid. And, man, I don't know what it is. My hair always looks great. And then I go in the auditorium and it just flops. Really? And, and so, <laughs> and I, I laugh because the Lord has had to just be like, Alexis. Look at what I've taken you through. Look at what I've asked you to do. And I was praying the other night on the prayer call that the Lord would give us a desire to gather in his presence. Because one of the things he did is he has taken me, when it comes to worship, into the most remote places in Nigeria that I could have ever imagined I would be. With the most unusual sounding, their version of worship that I'd never heard, I've never seen, didn't even have a, a, a beat that I could quite connect with. And... And yet, when the Lord started showing me his presence and that he was there, it was like he was showing me, you know what? You think you have to have this, 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 your favorite song, the right pew, the right, this, you know. 
for my presence to come? Don't ever. It's like he, he's just trying to tear up all this religion, all this junk that we think we need. And well, that, yeah, but I don't really relate. I'm just not sure. Well, I, don't, I mean, that's not where my friends are. Where does God want you? Do you not know that he created you? He's the one. And it just couldn't have been said more. And so I just give my resounding yes to the statement that don't think you know what you need. God knows what you need. You just need to know your God. That is what we need. And I'm so thankful. And I am thankful more than anything in my own life for his patience for me and my, my junk that he's had to refine and prune constantly. And he's, he loves me, though. He loves me, no matter who else may leave me or forsake me. I am loved by my Father, and I'm so grateful. And that is the kind of love that brings me into freedom. And when I get that breakthrough, man, he'll raise you into the army that, um, that he destines us to be at this hour. This is a, an exciting time. But let's just pray. Father, thank you for this word this morning, God, that just goes so much with even the word you gave to the women about knowing your love, God. Thank you that you have, Jesus, you paid with your precious blood and life for freedom from everything of our carnal nature, everything that weighs us down and every sin that so easily attempts to beset us. And you've given us freedom. You've given us victory. Nothing can separate us from your love. If you are for us, who can be against us? What impact can anything against us have? God, thank you that we are great victors. We are more than conquerors. I praise you, God. I thank you, God, that you have you are just with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. And when we abide in that beautiful place of love, we have that freedom. That is the great commandment to love you first with every fiber of our being, but then love others as ourselves. And I thank you, God. Fill us this morning with the love that drives us to not consider our own needs, but to just overflow with that love to help see other people be free. God, I just pray that you would awaken us into that passion, that we would not, that we would esteem others better than ourselves, that we would just crucify our flesh and allow you to overflow through us as vessels that are laid down so that you can, oh God, do your will, that your kingdom will come. Your will would be done on this earth as you planned it in heaven. I just praise you, God. I worship you. I have no words to even thank you for who you are and what you offer those who will receive you as Savior. Thank you, God. Take us from this place filled with the truth of the love and the freedom that is the greatest gift we could ever imagine. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.